Welcome to Horror Nights in Podcast with me, your host, Crystal, where I talk about anything and all horror. So on this podcast, I give you my honest and horrific opinion on a different horror movie every week. I drop spoilers. I never lie. I always keep it real. Sometimes I do specials and sometimes I have co-hosts. So to keep up with all things horror and the Horror Nights in Podcast, please join my Twitter horror family by following me at HorrorDaddiesRS. I also have an Instagram as well, and you can follow me there at Horror Nights in Podcast. Um, so also be sure to follow my podcast on whatever app you use. I am available for your listening pleasure on SoundCloud and iTunes. Definitely subscribe to me as well so you can get new alerts every time I put up a new episode. And, uh, yeah. So if you guys follow me on Twitter, you already know that it is, um, the theme for this month. It is the month of April and I decided to do movies that center around haunted houses. But before we get into all of that, there are a couple things I want to talk about because that's how we start all the podcasts now. So um, tomorrow morning, or technically, I guess, because I'm recording my episode tonight on Friday, um, because tomorrow I am a guest um, on my friend Patrick's podcast, Critics Not Cynics. Definitely go check him out if you have not already. We're kind of doing a roundtable discussion of the movie Us, uh, Jordan Peele's Us. Everybody knows what that movie is by now. Um, So we are going to do a little roundtable discussion tomorrow morning um, on that, which is why I'm recording my podcast now so I can keep up. Um, that should, I'm not really quite sure when that would be available, but definitely check my Twitter and all my other social media on Instagram as well, because I post on there when episodes go live and also when I'm in other people's episode. Um, also I do have a Patreon if you are not familiar with that. Uh, so basically over there, I have created a whole channel, um, that I like to use for special bonus episodes, um, commentary tracks, um, you know, kind of voting sessions, things like that. So right now, uh, I am doing the entire first season of Haunting of Hill House. So basically what I'm doing is, uh, the Netflix original series, um, I'm doing commentary track, and then following the commentary track, I do a review. So I watch the entire episode with you guys, and then I do a review of the track at the end. So those episodes are about a little bit uh, over an hour long. Um, you basically get my honest and horrific opinion of the show as I'm watching it. it I am a little late on the bandwagon. Um, I know the show was super popular when it came out, but considering this goes along with the theme, um, and because I have never given this series the justice it deserves, especially because I am a horror fan and I am a horror of, or I am a fan of the whole uh, Haunting Hill House movies shows kind of thing series so um yeah if that's something that you guys want to hang out with me and do that uh definitely go check out my patreon channel um the link will be in the description the link is also on my twitter and it's also on my instagram um so another thing that i want to talk about um just because i like to keep things personal with you guys and I like to really you know make sure I talk about my life in addition to horror movies so you get to know me a little bit better um this week I was just really busy with work and I'm super busy this weekend with my other job if you guys don't know I do uh bartend on the weekends as well usually I only work Friday nights but this weekend I have to work Friday and Saturday uh this week was super busy at my regular nine-to-five job Um, and I kind of wanted to talk about something before we get into, to, uh, the movie. And that's the, um, the idea of just keep going. Um, 
every day we are faced with bullshit and we're faced with annoying people and shitty friends and, you know, maybe your family's pissed you off or something. Um, We also, you know, have to deal with work not going well or, you know, wanting your podcast to, you know, skyrocket to number one, um, you know, faster than it is. Um, And I know that you guys only obviously hear this side of me where I'm, you know, Hey guys, like what's up? Like I'm crystal, but behind the scenes of podcasting, um, can definitely get, um, it's a lot of work. Uh, it's, it really feels like a part-time job and I'm not complaining about it guys. Cause I love podcasting because if I didn't like it, then I wouldn't do it. Um, cause that's just how it goes for me. And also of course you guys know I'm not getting paid to do this. I do this because I love podcasting. Uh, but sometimes it can take a lot of work. Um, you know, you always have to keep up with Twitter and, you know, all kinds of social media and just make sure that you're on top of your shit. And a lot of times it can get like, it can be overwhelming considering, you know, I do have two jobs. One job, you know, is my regular full-time job, which doesn't always mean nine to five. It could be, you know, nine to six, nine to seven, eight to five. Um, And then of course, you know, I have the barting on top of all that. And now of course I have my podcasting, not including, you know, the time they spent with my significant other and my family and my other friends. So it can be overwhelming at times. And there are definitely times when I would rather be just laying on my couch, you know, watching Netflix instead of, you know, sitting and, and making notes and watching a movie and recording. Of course there is, but I do because I love doing this because I like that you guys like listening to this. And I feel like I'm kind of in the thick of it now when it comes to a lot of things in my life. Um, so I've also been working out a lot more and I've been trying to eat healthy. So I've been doing that for about three months and it is working and I'm super proud of myself because this is the longest I've ever gone on a diet. (laughs) And I know I don't even want to call it a diet. I guess I want to call it like a lifestyle change. Um, so, and it's, you know, I'm in the thick of it with my podcasting. I've been doing this since October, you know, um, I have been at my job for, you know, almost two years and, you know, I've been bartending at my one job for six years. So it's kind of like everything is sort of settling in, which is good, of course, but sometimes, you know, it can be kind of mundane, you know, like I start my day, I work the same place. I do this kind of the same thing every day. Um, it changes here and there. And then after work, I go right to the gym and then I come home, I make dinner, I go to sleep and I do the same thing the next day. So it can get a little mundane, a little routine. Now, of course, my podcast adds so much to my life, which is why I do continue to do this because not only do I love interacting with all of you, I also just like this because I feel like I can kind of relax and talk about things that I love doing or that I love watching. And, um, you know, I found people that also enjoy doing it with me. But at the end of the day, I am super tired, but I always, I just want to talk about keep going. So if there's something going on in your life right now and you kind of want to give up and you're just like, uh, this isn't working and it, it, whatever it is, it could be, you know, your relationship or like your friendships or something with your family or something that you're doing as, as, you know, a pastime, or it could, you know, be your weight loss journey. And you're at the part when that's, that's right now is the most important time for you to say, when you want to give up just to keep going, you know, just keep going. Cause it will pay off in the end. You know, if you continue to work on your relationship or your friendships, um, you know, if you continue with the diet and exercise or whatever it is that you're trying to do. So same with me, I know that I hate counting my calories and I hate, um, you know, working out every single day, but I know that it's working and I know I have to continue to do it, even though I don't really want to do it. And even though it is showing me results, which I'm super happy about, but at the same time, I'd rather just, you know, sleep in and not have to go to the gym in the morning, or I'd rather, you know, go out and get, you know, McDonald's or something. Um, because I love McDonald's. McDonald's is my favorite fast food and I haven't had McDonald's in a very long time. Um, 
So, you know, there's things like that, but if you just keep going and same with my podcast too, you know, even though it does take up a lot of time, you know, it feels like another part-time job. It could take up to, you know, 25 hours a week, including, you know, the recording and the notes and, you know, the social media and the, the branding and all that just takes a lot of time, but I'm obviously not going to give up. I'm going to keep going and because it's worth it. It's worth it in the end. And these are the times when it's crucial. So if you're, if you're listening to my podcast right now and there's something going on in your life and you're just like, Oh, I just want to give up. Like, I don't even want to do this anymore. Just keep going. Like this is your sign from me to just keep going. So I hope you guys enjoy my little life lessons weekly. Um, I did have somebody message me last or uh, a couple weekends ago and say, you know, thank you for, um, talking about, what I talked about in my last episode. Um, and you know, he said, I really needed to hear that. And that's why I, as long as you know, it helps, it's, it, it helps me to talk about it. And as long as it's helping one person, um, even if you don't think it pertains to your life, maybe something next week or next month or next year, and you could think back to this and be like, I remember I, I'll take that as a sign to keep going. So just keep going. Um, so anyway, um, welcome to April guys. I'm excited about this. Obviously follow me on Twitter. You know, this month is haunted house month, which means every movie in this month will cater around haunted houses. Duh. Um, you also know that I, uh, I also tweeted out asking everyone's favorite haunted houses, haunted house movie. So thank you for that. Much appreciated. So, uh, on this episode of Horror Nights in Podcast, I'm going to be discussing the haunting. I will start by giving you the Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb rating, a short synopsis, and then a lengthy dissection and discussion of the plot, characters, and ending with my overall honest and horrific opinion. So definitely stick around until the end. It feels good to get back into my normal routine of discussing a movie like this this way, guys, because, you know, last weekend or the last month, there's a lot of movies people have seen already. So, uh, yes, thank you guys for all that last month. I really appreciated that. Um... So, The Haunting. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave The Haunting a 16%, with 28% of the audience liking it. IMDb uh, gave it a 4.9 out of 10. So, The Haunting was released in theaters uh, July 1st, 1999, with a running time of 113 minutes, and was directed by Jean de Bont and written by David Self. It stars Liam Nielsen, um, Neeson, sorry, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Owen Wilson, and Lily Taylor. So Stephen King actually wrote the first draft of the script, but it fell through, and he reworked it into Rose Red. Uh, it was also rumored, but never confirmed, that Stephen King directed, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Steven Spielberg directed a few scenes Wes Craven was also connected to this movie because uh, he was supposed to direct it when it was attached to Dimension Films, but obviously that also fell through. Uh, so before we get into a detailed summary of The Haunting, I wanted to share with you guys that this movie is one of my guilty pleasure horror movies. I've seen it about 10 times, um, and it's not really that scary. It doesn't really stick with you mentally, but overall I thought it was just a really good movie. Uh, I love the cast, the cheesy storyline, and of course the spooky old house so um yeah I think the first time I watched this movie I was like 11 or 12 I think I watched it with my brother um so we start the movie with some real ominous music and we are introduced to our main character Eleanor who's played by Lily Taylor who is running around this tiny apartment followed around by her sister Jane telling her she hasn't paid rent in two months. We also see that her sister's husband and kid are there as well trying to persuade her to move in with them because she has no place to go and her sister needs help with her annoying ass child. Um, so she's basically offering her sister a nanny housekeeper position. Um, we also can assume that her mother has died by the way they are conversing. Uh, we also see there is a lot of resentment between the two sisters because it seems Jane was absent during the duration of her mother of her mother's illness, which apparently she was sick for like eleven years. Um, so now we follow Eleanor into her mother's bedroom and she picks up a necklace off the headboard, which we can assume belonged to her mother, and she puts it on. There is also uh, distinct pieces of wall art and furniture in the room uh, that is that definitely needs to remember for later in the movie. Eleanor then puts the necklace on and gets a phone call from an unknown source who tells her to look in the newspaper at an ad for research subjects who have trouble sleeping and offering to pay them $900 a week for the, soci 
for the psychology study, I actually used to have, well, I I guess I still have insomnia, um, and it's really nothing to mess with. So if you guys have trouble sleeping, do not take it lightly, but also uh, don't answer this ad. (laughs) Um, So anyway, you'll find out why. But yeah, if you you have trouble sleeping, definitely uh, go get that checked out because insomnia is terrible. I've actually combated it over the years, but... um, it still sneaks up on me sometimes. So the next scene, we meet our professor, Dr. David Morrow, who is played by the infamous and famous right now. I know he's not doing too well in the in the uh, the world of, of of celebrities. I think he got himself into kind of like a a racist thing. Um. So anyway, he is played by Liam Neeson. It seems he is scouting test subjects who all have different personalities, but they all share insomnia. Dr. Morrow then begins stating each of his research subjects' different mental disorders. So one has low self-esteem, narcissism, codependency issues, and depression. Uh, This house is actually called Hill House, which coincides with my Patreon. Uh, So go check that out. Uh, Anyway, so this is called the Hill House Project, and it is to and it's to research how people deal with fear. We also learn that he is bringing his research subject to the house under false pretenses. So he's basically setting them up as saying that they have there they have like an insomnia test, but it's actually to uh, test how humans deal with fear. So now we're back with Eleanor, who seems to be in good spirits as she is making her way to the house. We also get the first sight of this house, which is massive, Um, but it seems like she can't get in because it's blocked by these huge iron gates, Um, and there's the gate is also locked, too. Uh, She's then greeted by one of the caretakers, Mr. Dudley, um, and he lets her in. So now we see that Eleanor has made it into this massive front door or front gate and goes inside. Um, we also see that she's the only one that, or she's the first one there for now. Um, and she's calling for Mrs. Dudley. Uh, we are greeted with the inside of this massive house and the big sculptures. Um, so I really can't, I mean, I can do my best to describe the inside of this house, but it is freaking massive, like the highest ceilings you could ever imagine. And just huge columns everywhere, pictures, sculptures, um, furniture, rugs, everything, just massive, massive, massive. Um, so she's wandering through this house and we hear a banging noise. And so we run into Mrs. Dudley, who is casually just sharpening a butcher knife. Um, she also has a really cold personality and she's not super accommodating, but she shows Eleanor her room and Eleanor just totally mesmerized by this huge house, which I totally would be too. Um, Yeah, so then she is uh, greeted by a massive painting of someone that we don't know yet. So we then find out that Eleanor will be staying in the Red Room and that Hill House hasn't had any visitors since Mr. Crane died. Uh, We then see the creepy-ass chimney with these kids' heads carved in them. We also learn that Mr. and Mrs. Dudley live nine miles from the house and how no one would hear them if they needed help and how no one will come close to the house in the night. In the dark. Uh, But Eleanor seems completely into this house and doesn't give a fuck about Mrs. Dudley's ominous warning. Uh, We then meet Theo, who is played by the Queen Catherine Zeta-Jones and a firecracker for sure. We then get the same speech from Mrs. Dudley um, with Eleanor finishing the eerie sentence about no one will come if they need help. A little cheesy. I'll let it go, though. Um... So then we get to know Theo a little, and she is very about being on brands and artsy and in tune with showing off her assets and all of her rich clothing pieces. Um, There's also a weird vibe between these two. It seems like um, Eleanor doesn't really let anyone get close to her physically and emotionally. Uh, They then start to explore the house together, and we see a creepy-ass door that Eleanor points out is more like purgatory and how she was in purgatory for 11 years which I assume correlates taking care of her mother. Um, So also, guys, just a side note, uh, her nickname is Nell. So if I say Nell, it's Eleanor. Um, So 
We then, um, then they walk into the part of the house that looks like a fun house with the moving floor mirrors and circus music. There seems to be a ton of different hallways and entrances and they push through another set of doors and bump into Luke Sanderson, who is played by Owen Wilson. Um, we then see that Dr. Morrow has also arrived with Todd, who's another test subject, and Dr. Morrow's aide, Jane, played by Virginia Manson, who is the actually the mom in Better Watch Out. Shout out to one of my favorite Christmas horror film ever. If you guys have not seen Better Watch Out, go watch it right now. It's so good. Um, so then we see that Jane is already completely uncomfortable in this house already. So uh, now we're at dinner, and we start to get a little bit more character development. Uh, Theo seems to like her insomnia because it helps her be more creative while Luke hates it. Dr. Murrow then starts to explain that humans need the basics to survive, one of which is sleep. Um, He tells them he's working on a five-year study to make profiles of sleepers looking for a link, which is obviously a lie because he's trying to figure out how people deal with fear. He doesn't really give a fuck about insomnia. Um, So then there was also something I noticed. Dr. Morrow doesn't call um, Jane her name. He actually calls her Mary, which is not really explained in the movie, but, I mean, I can assume it's to to hold... her identity as his like student aide or something. Um, so uh, Jane slash Mary then asks Nell why she thinks people have trouble sleeping. And Nell says it's because they all have exciting lives and their minds are always racing. She then confides the reason she has trouble sleeping is because someone was calling for her. She also explains, and that someone's obviously her mother. She also explains how her mother would bang her cane on the wall. And even though her mother is still dead, Eleanor still hears the banging of the cane. Um, so it seems like Eleanor doesn't really have insomnia. It's kind of, she was just woken up by her mother all the time versus everybody else who does have insomnia. Um, but you know, we'll find out why later she's at the house. So Jane slash Mary, um, so I'm sorry. In the next scene, we see the group has gathered in one of the living rooms and Jane was playing on some kind of instrument, um, where you can visibly see the string. So it looks like a piano, but it's a little bit, um, the, the keys are a little bit, the notes of the keys are a little bit higher and this, you can see the strings, the strings are visible. Uh, Dr. Morrow then begins passing out test booklets for each of them to complete during their week at the house. We also learn there is no telephone or TV and they aren't allowed to go into town, but Dr. Morrow does have a cell phone. Luke then asks why Hill House, why, why did he choose Hill House? And Dr. Morrow says how isolation is key to this project. Uh, Nell then asks about the history of the house to which Dr. Morrow explains that it's actually a good bedtime story. Not. (laughs) So we learn about Hugh Crane who built the huge house and made a made it made his profit from his textile mills and what he wanted more than anything was a house filled with the laughter of children aka not me (laughs) if you guys know anything about me you know i'm not a fan of children Uh, Hugh Crane then married the most beautiful woman in town, but all of their children died at birth. Uh, His wife then died, and Crane completely isolated himself and kept on building onto the house. So no one had seen Crane for years, and the townspeople swore they started to hear the sounds of children laughing from the inside. Um, Then we get a little jump scare because the fire pops behind them. So, uh, with, we then get more of the story from Jane who thinks that something sinister is going on and it's all around them in the walls, in the furniture. Um, and then she hits the instrument. She kind of like strums the strings, um, of the instrument that she had been playing with the exposed wire and one breaks and it hits her right in the face. But seconds before that happened, we see, uh, that the wire was being tightened, but no one was touching it. Spooky, spooky, spooky. Um, so Jane and Todd, so she basically, she's like profusely bleeding across her face. So Jane and Todd then leave and Dr. Morrow and Luke are seen closing and locking the gate behind them. Dr. Morrow, um, tells them to, you know, they're obviously on their way to the hospital because she needs to get her face stitched up. Um, and we also see that, uh, We also hear Dr. Morrow say, you know, 
call us when you know and to come right back. And they never come back to the house and we never get an explanation of why. But I think it's because, oh, I can assume um, that Jane slash Mary um, probably told Todd the reason they were all actually there was not for an insomnia thing and that it was to test their fear and that the house was super fucked up. So Todd was like, well, fuck that. I'm not going back. So I assume that's what happens. Um, So um, before Dr. Morrow and Luke go inside, uh, Dr. Morrow confides in Luke that there's more to the story, but not to tell the others. But of course, Luke tells everybody anyway. We find out that Hugh Crane's wife didn't just die. She actually killed herself. Um, he also let on that Hugh Crane might have been a monster and not a good man. We are now with Dr. Morrow, who is making notes and basically saying he told Luke uh, the rest of the story so that he could pass it along to the others, even though he was sworn to secrecy. Um, and he, Dr. Morrow, is making notes on a tape recorder. So now we are in our first night, and we see that Luke has taken to walking the halls and throwing around at baseball. And Nell or Theo, Nell and Theo are creating a little bond. Uh, so now with Nell, as she is laying in bed, surrounded by these creepy ass carved children's faces and we see these weird spikes above her and creepy kids whispering as she goes and falls asleep. Um, But now we're getting like different shots throughout the house, Hugh Crane's face and different hallways. We then hear banging and Theo yelling for Nell because she hears the banging too. Nell then jumps out of bed into Theo's bed and they hear the banging continue. We then get the classic cold air and the continued banging on the door. It then abruptly stops as Nell makes her way to the door as she, as the handle begins turning. Uh, We then hear Luke's voice and him knocking on the door. Uh, He then goes into the room and starts looking around to find the source of the noise. Um, And then in the next scene, we see they're all in the kitchen and he starts messing with the pipes and we hear the familiar groaning and banging, but the cold air wasn't accounted for. Uh, So it seems like they are telling the girls the banging was just from the pipes and how um, Theo was like, well, I did just take a bath. And then um, Nell is like, well, what about the cold air? But nobody ever really says. Everyone's like, oh, maybe it was a draft. (laughs) It's never a draft in a house like that, guys. (laughs) Um, So then we see um, Nell then questions how Dr. Morrow didn't hear anything. Um, And then in the next scene, we're back with Eleanor in her bed. And we see that she's asleep. There's a gust of wind. And we start to see a child's outline in the curtains. And then kind of like swimming up in the bed until coming out of the pillow. And says, find us, Eleanor. And instead of royally freaking the fuck out, she has this weird ass smile on her face. Like, I just... (laughs) You guys get my thoughts on, on Eleanor's character at the end. So definitely stick around. Um, so it's now the next morning and we get this really cool bird's eye view of Hill House and it's, it's humongous. Um, so then we get a funny moment with Luke who has his own theory with Hugh Crane saying that he used the house as a cover to run a, a kid's sweatshop and also compared it to the Teletubbies. Um, cause he said the house creeped him out like the Teletubbies. Uh, we also find out that Nell does indeed love the house, but Luke finds it all kinds of strange. Luke then leaves to give Nelson some privacy, but not even two seconds alone. The big-ass chain links inside the chimney start to move, and we see a weird-ass statue come from behind the chains. Now, guys, this—I don't even want to call it a chimney because it's—I mean, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a fireplace, but it's not like a regular fireplace. This fireplace is literally, literally like the size of one of my walls. <laughs> like the entire wall from like floor to ceiling is this is like the mouth of the fireplace. It is humongous. Like this house is huge. I would never want to live in a house this big. I mean, maybe this house would be kind of cool. But no, I, I don't. I couldn't. This house is humongous. Um, so anyway, um, she starts to freak out because she sees something trying to come out from behind the chains. Um, she then grabs the rest of the group to inspect what was in the chimney. And we see at their feet, there's some kind of grate that holds ashes and charcoal from when 
they burn logs. I, you could probably fit an entire fucking tree in this in this fireplace. That's how big it is. Um, then they both almost get knocked over by a lion's head flue that opens up the chimney. But Nell says uh, that the flue wasn't it because um, everyone's like, "Oh no!" Like this is what you saw, and she's like, "No, that's not what I saw." Um, so it basically looked like a statue was coming through the the chain links in the front of the fireplace, which will make sense later. Um, so Luke then calls them over and we see the words, welcome home, Eleanor is written on the wall in blood across Hugh Crane's portrait on the main staircase. They are, then they're all basically accusing each other of writing it. And Luke, they're all saying like, Luke, why would you do this? And he goes, oh yeah, I did it with the 20 foot, 20 foot ladder that's in the ba- my back pocket. I thought that was funny. I always remember that line from the movie. Um, we then see there are little bloody footprints that no one notices on the floor leading to Nell's room. Um, Dr. Morrow then talks to Nell privately and he does some kind of like psych eval on her before bringing her into another part of the home. that looks like a greenhouse. Um, Eleanor then spots some violets and said somebody must have died here. And, uh, now I remember, I'm remembering this part of the movie. Eleanor then tells Dr. Morrow she's been waiting for an adventure and how she never thought she would have one. But now she goes, here I am. Paintings are calling out to me. Strange noises in the night. And all it costs was five gallons of gas. Um, there's also this continuing song that I mentioned earlier that she continues to hum. And there's a flute song that plays whenever Eleanor is in this like really weird headspace. Um, we then see that the Hugh Crane portrait's face is all distorted. Um, and we see some kind we see like the skull is in the picture a little bit because when somebody, when the house had written welcome home, Eleanor, the Dudleys came and cleaned it. So I'm guessing whatever solution they use, like fucked up his face a little bit. Um, so now we can see kind of like a skull instead of his face. Um, so then we have, um, we then see Eleanor's door is open, opens on its own, and we see bloody footprints start to appear, which, of course, she follows. Uh, we also hear the children's voice calling out to her. Oh, and obviously, she's back in her room now. She's not in the greenhouse anymore. Um, we then see the footprints lead to a bookcase, and then we get a little secret room behind the bookcase. It's actually not a little secret room. She literally has to like walk down this big iron spiral staircase. Um to get to the to, to the secret room. She then walks uh, down the spiral staircase and the kid ghosts are telling her to go to the ledger. Eleanor then whispers, it's Crane's study. And she finds a book entitled Concord 1886 to 1887, which showed all of his textile mill information. So basically everybody that worked for him, uh, he wrote down. We then see there are multiple lines uh, crossed out with kids' names who were dying at the age and their ages were 10 to 12 years of age. Um, she then rushes to Theo's room to show her what she found. Uh, she tries to explain to Theo how she found the book. And she's like, the blood led me to the, to the bookcase. Theo thinks Nell is losing her shit, but Nell swears the house and wants to tell her something. So we then follow Eleanor to her bedroom, and she is talking to the wooden kids carved in the fireplace. Um, she's basically like, tell me what you want. <laughs> Remind me of the Spice Girls. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Um... So she then sits down at her vanity and she begins to brush her hair and we see that something is trying to do her hair um, to which she freaks out. Um, She then sees that they wanted her hair done the same way as Crane's dead wife because as I said earlier guys there's portraits of of Hugh Crane and his wife all over this mansion. So it seems like these dead kids want her to look like um, Hugh Crane's wife. So that's cute. Uh, the next morning, we get another dope shot of the house from the outside. Now we see that Nell is looking for Dr. Morrow but can't find him, but she finds his research papers and the recorder. She then hits play and finds out that she's just a pawn in the doctor's experiment. We are now with Luke and Theo in the greenhouse. We see that Luke has pretty much figured out Dr. Morrow's experiment, too. Um, they then run into Eleanor, and she says how this isn't Dr. This isn't Dr. Morrow, and Luke says they need a bounce, to which Nell says, home is where the heart is. Like, <laughs> like 
guys. Like I just, I have a, I have an opinion on this later, but, um, right now I'm with Luke. I'd be like, I'm out. Like I'm good. Like I thought I came here to, to, you know, do an insomnia project, not get scared. Um, so we then get a creepy ass shot of Hugh Crane's wife hanging herself from the rafters in the greenhouse, but Theo and Luke don't see anything. Eleanor is the only one who can see anything. Um, she obviously starts freaking out. Um, and then she, I believe in this scene, she goes, this is it. This is where it happened. Um, we then see Eleanor's back in the study and she's searching for answers in Hugh Crane's secret study. Um, she then finds a creepy photo album of Crane, and apparently he had a second wife whose name was Carolyn, and we also see that she's wearing the same necklace um, that Eleanor um, put on in the beginning of the movie um, that belonged to her mother. Um, the pictures do that, then tell her to go look in the fireplace. Um, so now we're following Eleanor to the fireplace, and she pops open that ash charcoal great thing I explained earlier in the fireplace. Um, she begins to sift through with like a big ass poker. Um, and then she finds human bones. She finds like a bone first, like a arm bone. <laughs> and then she finds a skull. Um, and then we got a really funny jump screen of the skeleton like popping up. So it kind of reminded me of like what you would see in um, the Spirit Halloween store. <laughs> and then people put on their front lawns. Um, then we have Nell running around the mansion uh, following the voices. And she um, gets to this gold door and she starts smelling something funky. And we see the door is locked. And as she tries to push it open, we see a fist comes out of the door and knocks her backwards. So now Eleanor is running uh, to find the others, and she tells them that Crane killed them, the children from the mills, and how he basically kidnapped them, brought them back to his mansion, and then killed them. She also tells them that Caroline, the second wife, found out what he did, and um, he was pissed, and um, or he finds out that the first wife found out what he was doing, and he basically kills her, and now he wants to kill Eleanor. Uh, she then begins to lose it even more and tell them that Hugh Crane is still in the house. So now this is where Dr. Morrow decides to tell them that they are that they were brought to the house under false pretenses and how they are just test subjects for fear, which is what they already knew. Um, he then says he's ending the experiment, but Eleanor is persistent on them staying. Theo then goes off on Dr. Morrow, basically saying, like, how could you do this to us? And then Dr. Morrow shouting back at her. And then Theo just slaps him across the face and says, you don't feel. Um, he then goes off and he tries to... Um, figure out what Eleanor was talking about because when she was yelling at them, she's saying the bones, the bones of the children are in the fireplace. Um, so he's going to the chimney or to the, to the fireplace, but the poker that Nell had used uh, earlier somehow lodged the door shut. And then he, he questions basically like, what am I doing? Um, so now we are with Eleanor in her bedroom and there's a gust of wind and it starts to get cold again. And we hear the whispering. Um, we then see this really big ass black mass of something floating into her room. And we also see the house is coming alive and it looks like a face and eyes. So she has these big ass archways in her bedroom and there's like stained glass at the top and it starts to look like a face. Uh, we also see the wooden kids' faces are changing, um, basically like scared. So when we first saw them, they were like creepily smiling and now they're like super scared. Um, and then Eleanor is thrown out of her bed. We uh, see that Hugh Crane is now at the window. And Eleanor screams that she will not let him hurt a child. She grabs a jewelry box or something off of the vanity and throws it into the window. The window shatters, but instead of the, the, the shards of glass falling... Um, they actually come back through the window and they fly directly at her. So now Eleanor is racing down the hallway and Theo notices that Eleanor is missing uh, and starts calling for 
Dr. Morrow and for Luke. Uh, we then see Eleanor is back in the weird-ass circus portion of the house. And <laughs> this is the creepiest part of the movie. Her reflection begins to change in the mirror, which is probably the most haunting part of the movie for me, especially when I was in a young age. And also, if you listen to my other podcasts, you know I hate when reflections change. I think it's the creepiest shit ever. Um, so while all this is happening... Um, Eleanor is like running through and she's like, who am I? What are you trying to tell me? Um, she then sees her reflection again, but now, now it's like, she's turned to the side and she says she's pregnant. Um, and the figure says, welcome home, Eleanor. Um, she then continues to freak out and seen and sees little child figures in the curtains asking for help. So we are now back in the greenhouse, um, and we see that Eleanor has somehow gotten to the top of this rickety-ass staircase that's in this greenhouse. Um, so Dr. Morrow then is basically saying, like, calm down, Eleanor, and she's not. And the, the staircase is starting to give way. Um, Dr. Morrow is trying to make it up to Eleanor, and it starts to snap. Um, so each section of the staircase is starting to snap and fall to the ground. Um, but Eleanor just keeps saying, the children need me. So continue the staircase continues to break off in sections we also see um dr morrow is pretty much almost falling too um and his cell phone then drops out of his pocket and shatters um they do actually get off of this safely they go through a different way so i guess there's like another part when you get to the top of this staircase you can like go to another portion of the house also fun fact liam neeson is afraid of heights and apparently um filming this part of the movie it was all legitimate that he was scared so interesting uh, so now the group is back in Eleanor's room and Dr. Mara and Luke are arguing and we see that Eleanor is still losing her shit. Uh, we are now with Dr. Morrow, and so now Dr. Morrow has gone back to the greenhouse. He's still making notes on his tape recorder as if this experiment is going well. <laughs> he's going to use it for future research. Um, but then he realizes, he's like, what am I doing? I need to get everyone out of this house um, before something else happens. But before he can do this, we see there's this big-ass statue um, that's kind of lounging in this pond that's in the middle of the greenhouse. And it snatches him and drags him to try and drown him in the pond. But then it lets him go. And there's like a mouth of the statue and like there's like blood coming from it. Um, but then he lets Dr. Morrow go and then just goes back and chills in his pond. Um, so... <laughs> We are now back with Eleanor, who is laying in bed, and we start to see the house is coming alive again, which is actually really cool. I did like this part of the movie. Um, so the wood boards are coming up, kind of trapping her, um, and his face actually comes down from the top of her ceiling. And I remember, guys, when I talked about the woods, the weird spikes that were on top of her bed, they actually trap her in the bed. Um, so Theo, Dr. Morrow, and Luke are trying to, to free her. Um... Well, first they're trying to get her bedroom door open and we see hands are now coming out of the mouth of Ukraine that's coming down from the ceiling. Um, so it's like his big ass face and then he's opening his mouth over Eleanor and then instead of like, I don't know, swallowing her, these hands are coming out of his, out of his mouth to try and like grab her. Um, so they finally get the door open and they free Eleanor from the weird spiky bed entra entrapment thing. So they're now, uh, they're outside and they're trying to break the lock that's on the front gate. And while they're doing that, we find out who called Eleanor in the first place about the study, as I had mentioned earlier. And dun, 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 it wasn't Dr. Morrow. It was the house. Um, Luke then comes up with the idea that they need to crash the gate with Nell's car, but it didn't work. Um... Then he's trapped in the car, and we see this big-ass spike come down that nearly kills him. Um, we then hear the kids begging El Eleanor to come back while gas is leaking out of the wrecked car. Um, so they're actually able to get Luke out, and when they free him, they realize that Eleanor is missing and has gone back into the house. Um, they then hear this, so they, they all three of them run back into the house. They hear this weird clicking noise, and we see that Eleanor is in the room with a locked door from earlier, um, that little gold door. 
We also see the room she is in is now the exact replica of her mother's room back at her apartment. We see that Eleanor is totally content in this creepy-ass room and doesn't want to leave, even though the others are begging her to. She then says, I'm home, and starts playing the music box that starts playing the same song she's been humming since the beginning of the movie. Um, she then explains this is the place where Caroline had her baby before she ran away. So then we find out that Caroline is actually Eleanor's great-great-grandmother and the children are her family and how she has to stay. And she's basically like, I'm not afraid anymore. She then uh, tells them uh, if she leaves and Hugh Crane can hurt children and urges them to leave. Uh, they then are trying to leave, but of course everybody's trapped now because Hugh Crane's not going to let any of them leave alive. (laughs) Eleanor then says, um, he isn't going to let you go and it's too late. They then begin to try and break the windows with the chairs, but the chairs are like magnetized to the windows, so they can't get out that way. Dr. Morrow then gets a piece of glass stuck in his hands. Um, and the Luke starts freaking out, and he decides it's a good idea to grab a candlestick holder and starts hacking at one of the paintings of Hugh Crane that's in this, like, um, dining room area. Um, he then gets another bright idea to burn the house down, and we hear a very ominous, like, no, I can't do it, but, <laughs> um, but before he can do anything, and Eleanor this whole time is telling him to, like, relax and, like, don't do anything, like, to not relax, but basically just being like, no, like, don't do that, um, but before he can, he's like, I'm going to go to the fireplace and light this house on fire and burn it to the ground. Um, but before he can do anything, the carpet under his feet knocks him over and throws him into the fireplace. And then we get one of my favorite kills of all time of any horror movie was when um, he gets uh, decapitated by the lion flu, which we saw earlier. Um, so then we get the chimney, the, the fireplace basically barfing up the kids' bones at them as they run away and they run up the stairs with the ominous picture of Crane behind them. Um, Eleanor then tells them that he's that he used to play hide-and-seek with the kids and now they have to hide too. Uh, we then see the statues are coming to life, and the painting of Hugh Crane actually falls down and almost lands on Dr. Morrow and Theo. Eleanor then grabs a broken piece of something and starts knocking the shit of the gargoyle statue that has now come alive. <laughs> um, she then runs to find Theo and runs into a painting of her grandmother and sees that they have the same necklace. Um, she then, des- as I mentioned earlier, she then decides it's time to kick some Hugh Crane ass. Um, so instead of going to look for Theo and Dr. Morrow, she, um, we see that now she's at the top of the staircase, the grand staircase. She calls for him, um, and we see his face is in the curtains going, blowing behind her. Uh, We see her start walking down the staircase into the center part of the house, and it's just all just still continuing to come alive around here, which, like I mentioned earlier, I thought was really cool. Um, She then spots the creepy purgatory doors, as I mentioned earlier, and um, turns as this big-ass black mass that is Hugh Crane's coming down the stairs towards them. So it kind of he kind of reminds me of like the Grim Reaper, but instead of no face, it's Hugh Crane's face, if that makes sense. Um, so Theo and Dr. Morrow then find her, but as Crane glides towards them, she stands between them and tells, tells him, you're not going to hurt them. I'm not afraid anymore. The children need me, and I'm going to set them free. Even in death, you still wouldn't let them go. I'm going to stop you now. Um, we then see the purgatory doors come alive behind her. We then get the cheesiest line of them all that made me laugh. And she goes, it's about family, and I've come home, Grandpa. <laughs> I just forgot how fucking cheesy some of the parts of this movie was. They're so good. Um, So then we see the creatures come out. They look like skeletons, like half skeletons, half humans coming out of the purgatory door. They grab Hugh Crane um, and basically pull him towards them. And then we see that they're like holding him down. So obviously they're demons of hell. Um, We then see the souls of the little children float up to heaven out the door And we see that Eleanor is kind of, like, pushed back, and she lands on her head. And we see that her, like, soul um, floats up with them, too. So, 
cute little moment. So now we're left with Theo and Dr. Morrow, um, who are left with Nell's lifeless body. Uh, the sun then rises on Hill House, and we see in the next scene the Dudleys coming down the, the road, um, and they just spot the mess of the car and the gate, and Theo and Dr. Morrow waiting on the other side of the broken gate. Um, we also get this passive-aggressive moment from the Dudleys. So Mrs. Dudley gets out of the car, and she goes, silly people. And um, Mr. Mr. Dudley, as he's, like, opening the gate, was like, did you find what you were looking for? Or did you find what you wanted? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> did you find out what you wanted to, doctor? So I did like the passive aggressiveness of the Dudleys. I can totally fuck with that. Love that. Um, so, yes, guys, that was a very uh, <laughs> detailed description or detailed summary of the haunting. So... Moving on to my thoughts, my opinions, some little facts about the movie. So yes, overall, I do love this movie. It holds a very special place in my heart because I've been watching it for many, many, many years and I really wanted to do this and this is why this is my first pick um, for the first Saturday of April. Um, it is one of my favorite horror movies. One of my more favorite, like cheesy horror, I guess you could say. Um, so my biggest problem with this movie is the character of Eleanor. Um, <laughs> there were just so many things about her that I just thought weren't necessary. Um, I guess we'll move into that a little bit more. I guess I'll talk about the things I did like. I loved, loved, loved the cast. Um... I loved the idea behind this um, entire movie. I loved that the doctor was Liam Neeson. I love Catherine Zeta-Jones as, like, the little firecracker. I loved Owen Wilson as, like, the funny guy. Um, I loved that the setting was in a haunted house. Um, I loved the character of the house, who's obviously the house was a character as well. Um, it, the backstory, though, is what really I'm you know, killed me when I watched it. Now, I know you guys are probably saying, well, why is this one of your favorite horror movies if you didn't, if you don't even really like the story of it? And I think it's because I, I was watching this movie from, um, I guess, my podcast eyes, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm not just looking at it for nostalgia reasons. I'm looking at it as a horror movie as a whole. And I thought the character of Eleanor was kind of annoying, um, I thought the backstory was a little silly. I, I did understand it. I just wish that maybe it could have been executed in a little bit scarier way. This movie could have been way scarier than it was. Um, you could have had more people dying. Now, mind you, The Haunting of Hill House is extremely scary, and I've only watched one episode, and I've uh, the movie. This is the first episode alone creeps me out. So, <laughs> um... I know I'll get what I want from that show, which is what I wanted from this movie. But I think, you know, uh, there were just some parts of the movie it was like, well, how did Eleanor know that they liked playing hide and seek? Like, how did Eleanor know all of these things when she didn't even know anything about her past? Like, how did she know where to go, what to say? How did she, you know what I'm saying? And I, I just thought the whole, like concept of family was super cheesy i felt like it was like a hallmark movie mixed in with a horror movie so i wish that they had kind of done away with the whole eleanor storyline and maybe brought in somebody else that was more of a badass um or maybe somebody that was you know more innocent like eleanor but but made it better i guess and um Yes, I, I do like this movie, and of course, if you haven't seen it, I would definitely go to go watch it. It's a it's a good movie, but uh, I, I think I tend to forget how cheesy some of the parts are and how it totally takes you out of the horror movie, especially when she's like, "I'm not afraid of you anymore, Grandpa." Like, bitch! Like, t 48 hours ago, you didn't even fucking know that you were related to any of these people. Like, I get it, but like, so cheesy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, just, <laughs> it's just so cheesy. But I mean, I guess you can. You have to. You have to take it for what it is. You know, take it for what it's worth. Uh, another part of this movie. Um, that, uh, you know, there were some things that weren't really answered. Um, 
you know, there there were holes here and there. Like, there were things that, the, that they would show that they would never really go back to. Um, like, why show the gas leaking from the car if the car didn't explode anyway? So, it's not like, you, you know what I mean? Like, Luke didn't need to be panicking when he was inside of the car uh, because the car didn't even blow up anyway. Um why didn't the assistant, the student aide ever come back? Um, I mean, obviously I know why, but then why didn't Todd come back? Why didn't Todd come back and warn the others? Um, or call them on the cell phone? Like, why wasn't there any... Now, mind you, I've never seen any of the deleted scenes. I don't even know. I'm, I assume there's deleted scenes for this movie. Um, but for the most part, I, I, maybe some of, some of that is answered in... Um, the commentary track or something like that. But overall, um, I don't know. There was a lot of unanswered things. Um, so a little trivia about, um, the movie, um, the house used in the film is located in Grantheim, England and is owned by the university of Evansville. Um, it's also used by students that study abroad. So I definitely want to go check this house out. That'd be fun. Um, the second adaptation of the book was to be titled The Haunting of Hill House, which was uh, the original novel title, and it was shortened back to The Haunting to avoid confusion with House and Haunted Hill. And this is actually a really funny story, guys, because yesterday Patrick and I were talking back and forth about um, The Haunting of Hill House, House on Haunted Hill, and The Haunting, and we both like got each other so confused, <laughs> we had to like put like in parentheses, like remake series book, like because it was so we were just like, wait, wait, wait which one are you talking about? So, um, if, if you guys have never seen house on haunted Hill, it's completely different from the haunting and the haunting of Hill house house on haunted Hill is like about a group of people who, if they're a lot, if they make it through the night, um, they get like a million dollars or something. So a completely different movie. Um, the tagline for this movie, Some Houses Are Born Bad, is also a line that Dr. Joyce Redium says in the Stephen King made-for-television series Rose Red, which came out in 2002. Um, the creaks and moans heard throughout the house were recorded and played during filming in order to get a more natural expression of fear out of the actors. And you guys know how I love, if you listen to my Jacob Jacob's Ladder episode, you guys know how I love when things are added um, while they're filming. I'm not a huge fan of like post-production things um, because I feel like the acting is more genuine when you have something that's there like right there at the time and it's not like CGI or post-production and later. Um, the outside of Hill House as well and some interiors were filmed in Harlexton Manor, which is also in England. So it seems like England definitely has some, some houses I want to go visit. Um, we also, there was also an alternate ending filmed in the version. So Dr. Morrow, uh, writes a book regarding the results of his fear study and dedicates it to Luke, uh, Nell, um, and the first wife, the second wife, and he even mumbles that they're immortal. Um, Theo pays a visit to the peaceful Hill House seeking both Nell and happiness. So I would have liked to have seen that. So like I said, maybe it's in the um, the specials or like the deleted scenes. Um, we also... The film includes one Oscar winner, which is Catherine Zeta-Jones, and five Oscar nominees, which... Um, or the rest of the cast, pretty much. Um, another part of the movie that I really enjoyed was the cinematography of the movie. So they did a lot of swinging with the camera, and they did a lot of really cool movements with the camera. Also, the the house, I know I said this already, but the house itself was just so cool um, and just so massive that it's the perfect place for a haunted house. Um the perfect setting for a haunted house. Um, and I, I do remember the house sticking with me more than the storyline. <laughs> um, and yeah, so overall, I, I do love this movie and it holds a special place in my heart because I've seen it so many times. Um, but yes, looking from a critic's point of view, um, it, 
the storyline was so fucking cheesy and some of the one-liners so fucking cheesy. Um, but I think this movie is, it holds its own. It's classic. It's, <laughs> they couldn't have picked a better setting um, for this movie. Um, I'm curious as to see what it looks like now. I definitely am going to Google some images when I'm done with my podcast and see what it looks like now. Um, So I think that's going to be it for this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm trying to think of anything else I wanted to cover. Um, Not really. Like I said, I love the cast. Um, Not a fan of the storyline. I love Liam Neeson. Everybody does. I mean, minus the, the dumb public celebrity shit he's in right now but whatever him as an actor is great um and yeah i think that's gonna be it for this episode guys so there you have it there's my honest and horrific opinion on the haunting did you like it did you hate it what's your honest and horrific opinion on the haunting so thank you so much for listening to this episode of horror nights and podcasts with me your host crystal please remember to follow my podcast so you know every time i uh, post a new episode um, on whatever app you use. And if you could please rate Horror Nights in Podcasts on iTunes and leave me a comment too. Actually, I haven't looked at the comments. Let's see if there's, this is going to be, this is not going to be uh, very, well, could be anticlimactic if I don't have one, but that's okay if I don't have one. Let's see if we have any new, um, any new comments on my iTunes. If I know how to use it. there we go. Um Oh, it looks like I have one from hold on. Okay. Um one from March 20th. Um City Loves Puddin. Um, just got to the party five stars. Just started listening and finished the Leprechaun episode. I'm so down for this podcast. Crystal's so entertaining. It has a great voice for this. So thank you very much. Um, that's from City Loves Puddin. So thank you so much for that, whoever you are. I appreciate that. So yeah, definitely, guys, give me a... Um, Give me a comment. Give me a rating on iTunes, and I'll read it for you on my podcast. So thank you so much for that again. Uh, I really appreciate it. I will chat with you guys next week for another episode. Movie. You like scary movies? Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh...